door shut, I would hear her sing this hymn. Um, in the sweet by and by, and now she is in the sweet by and by. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, and our Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the special to me because the first time I played it at work one of my residents has been in quarantine for COVID for a while and um, she was she's always a social butterfly and um, when she was let out of um, quarantine um, prayer group was the first activity we had and she said she's never heard this song before but it became her favorite and it's near and dear to my heart just because of the lyrics of it. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should 
should my heart be lonely and longing for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion my constant friend is he his eyes on the sparrow and I
Thank you so much, Alma. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get uh, Katie, and Daryl, and Andrea, and Derek come up here, and uh, they're gonna sing. Daryl, tell you what you're singing. Uh, right before I preach, I uh, want them to sing this song. We were we're in Hosea. We're gonna be back there in Hosea chapter 12. In Hosea 11, as he was in, finishing up that poem, he said, "I am God. I am not a man." And I've been thinking about that, just playing that over and over. I am so thankful that God is nothing like men. He is long-suffering and patient with us. Man, how many times have we just said, that's it, I'm done, no more, I'm through with this, I'm not dealing with it no more. But God is long-suffering toward us. He's faithful. What he said he would do, he will do. Everything that he has promised, he accomplishes what he sets out to do. He, he is perfect. His track record is perfect. And he always is working. He has a plan. These are the things that we see. He is God, not a man. He is God. I want them to sing... They're going to sing, uh, uh, I can't even remember the title of it, I already told them to sing it, but they're going to sing it, you'll know why. Uh, let them sing, let's just let this bless our heart and prepare our hearts to uh, hear his word this evening. In the midst of this whole world, Sometimes I just need a word from heaven that everything's okay. I try to walk by faith, but sometimes I'm so afraid and I cannot see how God will make a way. But then I think, He's never failed me, never left me, not one time have I cried out, and my voice he has not heard, never failed me, and he won't start today, he will make a way, he's never failed me. you feel and those burdens they are real and I know you feel that God has forsaken you but child don't lose your faith because he's working while you wait so just hold on and he will bring you through he's never failed me he's never left me not one time have I cried out, and my voice he has not heard. Never failed me, and he won't start today. He will make a way. He's never failed me, but he's been faithful. So faithful. 
I choose to trust him now. He will make a way somehow. So just believe and you will see. He's never failed me. He's never left me. Not one time have I cried out. And my voice he has not heard, never failed me, and he won't start today, he will make a way, he's never failed me. chapter number 12 thank you so much thank you Alma great songs tonight and thank you all for always being ready that we could uh, have that tonight Hosea chapter number 12 I really I'm concerned with 12 13 and 14 tonight I'm gonna wrap up here as we speak through Hosea as I said we have been looking at kind of a total together of everything and uh, I want to just, I want to read two verses in chapter 12, 1 and 2, and uh, then we'll put a few things together uh, and try to help us out as we close this out. If you found Hosea chapter 12, stand with me. We'll read those two verses. We'll ask God to help us, and we'll bring the message. Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. He daily increaseth lies and desolation and they do make a covenant with the Assyrian Assyrians and oil is carried into Egypt the Lord hath also a controversy with Judah will punish Jacob according to his ways according to his doings he will recompense him I want to read verse 3 as well he took his brother by the heel in the womb and by his strength he had power with God Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to just open up the Word of God and look at it. Dear Lord, we do pray that you would help us. I know that your Word has something for us. Dear Lord, we're thankful that, that today we've been able to share your Word. We've been able to look at your Word. This morning, dear God, we started the day and preached the Word of God there at school. And dear God, there was just a, a, just a great spirit and a great response afterwards to your word and we're thankful for that dear God tonight I pray again that you'd use your word in a mighty way your Lord it's got something for us it has it is the words of life and if we will apply them we will do them being diligent seekers of God with our aim just as we looked at Paul all those weeks ago that his aim his desire he didn't count anything good in this life, save knowing Christ. Dear Lord, it seems so extreme to us. Help us, dear God, to become extreme in the Word of God. Dear God, help us to be those that the rest of the world would call fanatics when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Pray that you'd use it again, like we said, your Word 
We want to honor it. We want to lift it up. Your wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we conclude chapters 11, 12, 13, 14, it's very poetic and it flows in poems and things. We looked at chapter number 11 where he tells the poem of a, of a father who's yearning for his son that's gone astray. And he yearns for him and he says, Israel, how can I give you up? And we see again the long suffering of God towards us being played out as he does that. As we jump into chapters 12 and 13, he's going to be very poetic again, but he's going to tell a more familiar story. As you see, as we broke into, into verse number 3 of chapter number 12, he's speaking about a story that we know very well. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength, he had power with God. And he's speaking of Jacob. He's speaking of Israel himself, who was later named Israel. And he's speaking about how when I first was dealing with you as a people, and when I first was even naming you as a people, the one that I chose was someone who was a deceiver and a supplanter by his very name. He said, I went after him. There's Jacob and there's Esau, and we remember that. And boy, if you want to do a great study, something that I've been listening to here lately is on the, on the younger brother, the younger brothers that we see. And God often favors that younger one, and he's looking at that one like that. But we don't got time to do that. But anyway, we see that he goes out, and as this, he's going to tell the story, and he's going to start with Jacob. And he said, when I first started dealing with you, you were a deceiver. When I first started dealing with you, you had these ups and downs. Then he's going to start telling the story, not only of Jacob, but then he's going to start to tell the story of how Moses called them out of Egypt. And here Moses is calling them out of Egypt. And almost immediately after being called out of Egypt, he's referenced this several times throughout this, that they immediately give themselves to idolatry and start looking and tell Moses, build us a calf out of gold. Here you go, make this thing for us. And while Moses, or to Aaron, excuse me, and while Moses is on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God, these wicked people are down in the valley making an image that they can bow down and worship made of gold and things like that. And immediately their heart. And not only that, he's going to start talking about that once he set them in the land and made them in that land and put them in that place, that now they go and they say, you know what? We want a king. We want a king like the others. And so he is doing something very specific. He's recapping the history of Israel. And it's not all the details. It's not all the stuff about here and there. And we're going to we're going to catalog this in here just a moment just so that you can see because he doesn't even do it all at once. He'll re make reference to one thing and then another and then he'll go back to the other part and he just kind of keeps going back and forth. But you have to remember for the, for the Israelite, for the Jewish man or woman that's hearing this that has so much scripture committed to memory, their, their mind is going to go to those places they're going to know exactly what he's talking about and it's going to bring up in their mind images of this. And as he tells this story, he says, listen, God and Israel have a history. 
God and Israel have a history. And as a matter of fact, I kind of titled it like this. Israel's relationship with God, a one-sided affair. Because guess what? Israel's got a pattern, don't they? Go ahead, read through, read through it. The whole Old Testament. They're going to call upon the name of God. Oh God, deliver us. And God comes along and helps and brings aid. And they go immediately to forgetting about God. And, and again, we don't want to be too hard on them because we understand the application, don't we? We fall victim of the very same thing. When God prospers us, we seem to forget about God. And we almost have to. It's almost as if God says, I don't want to make you walk through the valley, but if it's the only way that you'll get close to me, I'm willing to make you walk through the valley. And he'll do it. It's not above his means to do it. And so here we see that he rehearses their history. And he says, you just keep going back to your own thing. Even when I called you from the very beginning, you weren't someone that was true. You weren't someone that was good. And this is what I have done. But I, God, who's not a man, have been long-suffering and faithful and have always had a plan. Now, what I want to do real quick is just look at those three things real quick. I want us to look at them. They spread throughout chapters 12 verse num and chapter number 13. And so we're going to look at them real quick. We already made mention of the one when we read it. Number one is Jacob. Jacob. It says in verse number three that he took his brother by the heel. And we remember that. It talks about in verse number four how that he wrestled with the angel that he wrestled and he required a blessing of him in Bethel and he made a memorial there. And what an unusual story that is and what a beautiful story that is and we really could go down there. He even then speaks about in verse number 12 about his service for a wife and how even Jacob himself was tricked in that thing that had happened and would take it. And so he tells a little bit of that story, rehearsing it. Number one, knowing that, making sure that we know who he's talking about so that we don't have any doubt that he is talking about Jacob. He is talking about this man right there. And we could spend a whole lot of time going back and studying, and it would probably do us good, but I want us to keep our eye on the main thing as we move through this tonight. And I want us to have our place in the right application for us. Because you have to remember that he is calling Israel to remember their past. He's saying, listen, I want you to remember who you are. I want you to, because who's the book for, right? It's for the children of Israel, right? That's who it's written to. And we praise the Lord this evening that we know that and we understand that, but we also know that it still has application for us today. Amen. Big amen goes right there, okay? Because there's some folks, and you're going to run into them if you start studying your Bible, that are go, well, that doesn't apply to you. No, it wasn't meant for you, it wasn't written to you, but it most definitely can apply to you. And we believe that. When we, when we open up the Word of God, we believe it has what we need. And so here, he says to the children of Israel, he said, listen, I want you to remember where you came from. I want you to know who you were when I found you. I want you to know who you were when I called you out. 
I want you to understand right now that there is none righteous, no, not one. I want you to remember that it's not because of your good works. It's not because Abraham was faithful. It's not because of Isaac or it's not because of their, their beauty. It's not because of any of those things. He said, I set my love and I chose this people because I am God and I decided to make a covenant with them. I was more concerned about you understanding my love than for me to really get your love. I want you to have a desire to know who I am. My love, God's love, is not in question. Do you get that? God's love and His long-suffering and His mercy and His characteristics and His goodness and all of those things, even though from the very beginning Satan has been trying to diminish the goodness of God, His love and mercy and long-suffering is not in question. He is a good God. He is a gracious God. He is merciful and long-suffering so much to the point that right from the very beginning, and I know that everybody goes, what kind of God would let this kind of evil go about in a world? Uh, can I say this to you? What kind of God would redeem this kind of world? But He will, and He's already paid the price for it. This is what God has done. Somehow, like in the book of Job, we think we're going to call God to the table. That somehow we're going to accuse Him of unfaithfulness. He wants us to remember where He brought us from. When I called you, you were a nobody. When I called you, there was nothing good in you. You didn't respond to me in the correct ways. You haven't loved me in the right ways, but yet my heart has still been moved towards you uh, and I have still done good for you and I have still made a plan for you. Long-suffering, faithful, and merciful to us. See, the Jewish people... They started to, as we get to these passages of Scripture and as we start to get even further down, and especially it's seen in the days of Jesus Christ Himself, that there's really no other way to put it, but the Jewish people felt that they had a corner on the market of religion of Jehovah God. And in a way they did. If you were going to worship Jehovah God, you had to do it the Jewish way. That's how it happened. But somehow they had imagined that this was their doing. And it was all God's doing. You need to, we need to remember where we came from. We need to remember that there wasn't anything good in us made God call us or look for us. It's not because that we've loved Him and that because, you know, and I know that there's people that talk about us. Well, there was a spark in me that... There, was no, there is nothing good in the heart of man. It is all of the mercies of God that we are not consumed. It was of His graciousness that He planted the seed of faith in our hearts. Then He watered that seed. He made it grow. And then He saw that there was fruit on what He had done. And we're going to take praise for that? No. It all goes to Him. All glory. You got to remember where we came from. 
Number one, he reminds them of Jacob. There was nothing good in Jacob. Nothing good. Number two, he reminds them of when he is lavish. Now listen at this. So in verses 9 and in verses number 13 of chapter number 12, you're going to see where he speaks of this. Verse number 9, he says, And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. And then jump down to verse number 13. And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of, Jesus, uh, out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Saying, remember how I called you? Remember how I brought you out of Egypt? And here almost immediately your heart was turned. I want, us, I want us to think about this really quick as we think about him rehearsing this with Israel and playing this out. Israel did not cherish the deliverance of the Lord. Think about all of the things that were done so that they would remember how precious it was. Things that Jewish people are still doing today, right? Celebrating the Passover. They still do that today. And what does that memorialize and what does that supposed to bring to their remembrance? The fact that they were delivered out of the land of Egypt. That God, with a mighty hand, brought them out. As a matter of fact, all of this, and we know this because, and, and if you've ever uh, seen this gentleman that does that, it's, I'm, I'm sure there's several of them across the country, but they come in and they'll... They'll do a Passover, and as they do the Passover meal, they'll tell you of what it shows and represents about Jesus Christ. Uh, because all of this deliverance, all of this uh, uh, long-suffering, all of this plan that God kept doing, showing off to preserve Israel, He was saying, listen, one day my, my preservation is going to come to its fullness in the person of Jesus Christ. A lamb that was slain and you shed the blood on the doorpost, one day will be the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. One day uh, when you celebrate the fact that the death angel passed over your house and spared the firstborn, uh, you'll know that because the blood has been applied to your life uh, and the blood has been there on yours, that one day when death comes knocking on your door, it'll just be a shadow that you walk through the valley and on the other side you see what it means to really live. He said, this is what I've done. My deliverance is real. My deliverance is powerful. And they did not cherish the deliverance of the Lord. The sacrifice was made light by them. Why do I say that? Because they worshipped idols immediately. Why would they set their love and affection upon things that were made of gold immediately? Because they did not value the sacrifice that had brought them out of Egypt. They didn't understand it and they didn't know that it was real. He wants that to be in their mind. Now, number three. I think this is, I think this is something that I don't think we latch a hold of. And I'm not sure that I have a full grasp on it yet, but I'm trying to get a better grasp on it. They asked for a king. I don't think that we understand, and I think this might be cultural a little bit. I don't think that we understand what a slap in the face to God it was when the Israelites asked for a king. 
He brought them in the land to be their king. He brought them into the land for them to not to have a very different government. For them to serve God and for God to be their king and for him to be the one that they praise and they adore. And by the word of the prophets and by the moving of the judges, they would see what God would say to them and then how God would deal with them. But ultimately it was God that would be the king. And for them to come along and say, God, we want a king. I think that we start to get a little bit of the hint of it because we see how upset Samuel is when we rehearse that back in the book of First and Second Samuel. When we see those things take place, we see that Samuel is upset. As a matter of fact, he's so upset that God has to calm down Samuel, doesn't he? Remember that passage of Scripture? He says, to Sam, God says to Samuel, they've not rejected you, they've rejected me. They've rejected me. And I believe that this is an unusual thing that we see here, that as God has brought them into a land that would be prosperous, and he had, was good on that promise, wasn't he? He gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. He gave them vineyards that they did not plant. He gave them stuff that they didn't even work for. And he said, beware when you get into the land that you don't forget the Lord. Not only did they forget the Lord, they said, we want our own king. We reject, we reject your authority over us. Hmm. The calling of God, the deliverance of God, and the leadership of God are all rejected by the children of Israel. Let us be careful that we don't fall short in any of those. When God calls, let's answer. When God comes along and delivers us and brings us out, let us understand how wonderful His deliverance is. When God uses his authority in our life. This is right. Let's obey it. Let's obey it. Isn't it sad? And we can make the application already, can't we? Isn't it sad when we see someone uh, and, and maybe they, they hear the call of God and they make some sort of a a move towards God, but they really don't seem to understand the sacrifice and they really don't seem to be moved by the heart of God towards them and those things don't seem to make the impression and then we see it, they reject His authority. No, 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 no. No, I'm not going to do that. No. Oh, I see what the Word of God says there, but I'm not going to do that with my faith. That would just be crazy. I want to look more like the world. That's exactly what Israel said. Give us a king like the other nations. We want to look like them. We don't like being different. Well, if you don't like being different, Christianity's not for you. Come apart and be ye separate, thus saith the Lord. We are a peculiar people. Now, that doesn't mean strange, okay? All right? Some of us are peculiar though, right? Yeah. That word is so good. 
means a specifically pre-designated, called-out, chosen people. Peculiar. Very different. It's called us out. Called us out, and he said, listen, will you you obey me? Trust and obey. There's no other way. Be happy in Jesus, but to trust. How often do the words fall out of our mouth? Oh, trust God with my whole heart. Let me see what he says to me today. I can't do that. I can't do that. Tell my neighbor about Jesus, but I don't think my neighbor likes me. Well, that's a problem to begin with. Amen? You know, be faithful to God's house. Wait a minute. What about, God doesn't know what my schedule looks like. I think his schedule first, anyway. I think his is bigger, right? Will we obey? Simply obey. Now, what's great is we don't have to leave it there. There's some pitfalls of that rejection. Again, I've already hit some of them. Desire to be like the nations. Letting an... Letting unordained powers rule over us. God did not, even though God gave them a king and they ordained that king and all that stuff, Saul made a mess of stuff for them. He really did. Saul made a mess of things. David was a good king. Yes, he was. But let me just tell you, having a king did not work out well for Israel. And when we bring other kings into our life, it doesn't work out. Let's respond to the love of God allowing him to rule our life daily, seasonally, and eternally. Every part, every aspect. That he would rule each day of our life. That we would get up with it being each day. That he would rule the seasons of our life. That we would look at the word of God and understand that as we grow and as we mature as human beings, that there are seasons of life to live and let us live in those seasons and be happy in those seasons. There's going to be seasons of rejoicing. There's going to be seasons of sorrow. There's going to be seasons of fruitfulness. There's going to be seasons of unfruitfulness. There's going to be seasons of growth. There's going to be seasons of wisdom. Let us embrace each one knowing what God is doing with our life. And then let him, without a doubt, be the king of our eternity. And we all want him to be the king of that. So we look for that. Now, as we close, this is the good part. 12, 13, eh, kind of rough. Israel made a lot of mistakes. You can... and. And I didn't tell you, but in chapter 13, verses 9 and 10, you kind of see specifically how he talks about them uh, asking for a king, rejecting God. But then he concludes in chapter number 14. You know what I want to do tonight? I just want to read that. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words... And turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all our iniquity, all iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, 
we will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless, fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. Man, you ought to just get alone and study some of those things. And just, I'm going to tell you, the Bible is so beautifully, I will be as the dew unto Israel. Go and just study that. Go, if you feel like it. Maybe it's not. Anyway, I'm trying to give you a hint. Okay. He shall grow as the lily, cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches, branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. Why is it that God would cause them to prosper again? And that the branches of their tree would spread out through all the nations and be a blessing. Oh, he is God and not a man. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. For me is thy fruit and then he gives his conclusion. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. and The just shall walk in them. But the transgressor, transgressors shall fall therein. Israel, you have a pattern of unfaithfulness. You have always been like this. But I am, I am, Long-suffering, verse number four. I will heal, the, heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. I am faithful, verse number six. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be. What I have promised that I would do, I will do. And I have a plan. Verse number nine. If you turn to me, oh, the prudent man. The one that will listen, the one that will hear the words of the Lord, he will prosper. He will. He will. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come around and get us a song. Hosea, what a book. What an extreme of The extremeness of our unfaithfulness to God is portrayed by a prostitute. But yet God is long-suffering, faithful, and restores it. Hmm. God we serve. I just want to ask you real quick as we finish this. Are you moved by the deliverance of God? And that one is getting to me. Easter 
is quickly becoming my favorite holiday. Not because of anything that we necessarily do. Christmas is so much fun and I love it. But at Easter, every year, God impresses on my heart more and more of how deep the sacrifice of Christ was for me and for you. How His faithfulness and His deliverance provided to us like nothing. Every year, I feel like I just get blown away by something new of His deliverance. we could say anything, let's just fall in love with what he's done for us again. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the Word of God tonight. Dear Lord, we, I don't know what you need to do in our hearts tonight. It's been good to be in your house. Dear God, as we close in a hymn, dear God, I don't, if people need to move, they need to pray where they are. You know that we're happy with whatever. But let us respond. If what we need to do is leave this place and be changed, I really want us to do that. More than I want to see a whole bunch of people get around the altar, I want us to see and go out and daily be moved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our life. Help us, dear God value what you've done for us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. What are we saying? How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking. God.